Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. Ellen is me, and Katie is she, and together your hosts we be. (laughs) (laughs) My god. Oh lord. I'm just gonna roll right into the rehash with that one. Last week we did a special episode looking at the differences between Sorcerer's Stone and Philosopher's Stone, and shared some of our favorite moments from our episodes covering the first story. In Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone, we saw Harry become a victim of a cruel game of ding-dong-ditch, only to grow up to find out that he is BAM! Magic! BAM! BAM! Funkel Hagrid shows up to whisk him off to Hogwarts, where he meets douchebags and friends in equal measure, and discovers he is quite talented at co-ed team sports and pissing off his potions professor, both activities that involve the threat of death and dismemberment. He learns that meddling can get most people into trouble, but somehow seems to always work out as long as your name is Harry Potter. Hermione wants to study, Ron's hair is super ruddy, Fluffy's a three-headed pup. Quirrell turns to Ash, Voldy has to dash, Gryffindor wins the house cup. Yay, Gryffindor! (laughs) During episode 18, Voldemort knows no knows, our Potter pondering was... What were your favorite parts from the episodes covering Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone? My favorite part of your favorite parts is the part where Quincy said that I am great comedic relief. So, ten points to Quincy. Well, who can argue with that? And I will take those ten points for Gryffindor. (laughs) You would. Uh Uh-huh. Dave said that he likes when we make up new words, like rantling. He wants to just keep rolling new words slash jargon reference guide. Yeah, we'll have to start working on the Just Keep Rolling lexicon. It will have to include one of Carly's favorite moments, which is when we refer to the Dursleys as satchels of assholes. Which we will get to do a lot in this episode, as they play a big part in it. Mm-hmm. She also mentioned liking bat balls. Well, who doesn't like bat balls? Everybody likes bat balls. Everybody. She also said that in general, she has loved everything and is looking forward to many more. I just love her. Me too. She is such a fantastic support badger. Mm-hmm. We also have a fairly new keeper, Adele, who just got caught up on all the episodes and said she is already missing the new episodes. Words can't even describe how wonderful you all make us feel. Seriously, doing this podcast has connected us with the best people. We love you, keepers. Yep, all of the love. We also wanted to mention how much we loved the responses that we got from our Potter pondering in our bonus episode, Potterheads Stand with Trans, with Justin Reynolds as a guest host. We asked, how has Harry Potter made a positive impact on your life? It was so uplifting to read all about all of the people that have been connected by Harry Potter and the things that it has helped people overcome. Yeah, as well as the people who were empowered to try new things and, in general, the passion for reading that it has cultivated. It kept me off the streets, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But really, Harry Potter allowed me to meet so many great people that I never would have otherwise. Also, in a weird way, it, it gave me an escape and it helped me focus when things would get crazy around me. It's like I, I guess I always have Hogwarts to anchor me. Aww. <laughs> I'm adorable. 
You sure are. I know. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I know for me, one of the most positive things Harry Potter has brought into my life is my friendship with Katie and this podcast. Hmm. My number one reason for starting this podcast used to be because I wanted us to nerd out and talk about Harry Potter a lot. As we've started to build it up, that has moved to my third favorite thing about it. My first favorite thing being that it has connected us with so many amazing people and will hopefully continue to do so. Mm -hmm. My second favorite thing is how much art I have been creating to go along with this. I've been working on watercolor paintings, digital designs, ceramic mugs with my Harry Potterer, and have several other things in mind. I never realized how little time I was putting towards my own art, and I'm so grateful this podcast has basically forced me to do so. It has been amazing. Our keepers have been amazing. Thank you all for going on this journey and sharing your thoughts with us. I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you all. Our trivia question last week was, what does Harry see in the Dursley's hedge at the start of Chamber of Secrets? Harry saw two enormous green eyes. Like tennis balls. Mm-hmm. And congratulations again goes to Dave. He has now turned last week's win into a two-week streak. Will he keep this up and catch up to Quincy's streak at eight weeks? Will Quincy sweep back in and reclaim his title? Or will someone new show up to take the glory? Adele was actually really close in getting in there with the correct answer, too. I mean, the competition has really increased. It definitely has. But I think my favorite part was Dave's comment after posting his winning response. He commented again under it, making what I thought was the most hilarious reference to our episode. (laughs) Yeah, I cracked up when I read it, too, because in our rolling rehash, we had said, Dumbledore explains everything, unless you're watching the movie, in which case he totally doesn't. Harry gives Ron and Hermione the rundown about the stone, unless you're watching the movie, in which case he totally doesn't. And Hagrid is beside himself with guilt for telling Quirrell how to get past Fluffy, unless you're watching the movie, in which case he totally doesn't. And then in his comment, Dave sweeps in and says, And Quincy wins again, unless you are watching the movie, in which case he totally doesn't. So fucking funny. Their banter has become one of my favorite parts about the weekly trivia. For Quincy's sake, though, I do want to mention that he did actually get in and correctly answer our trivia question from the bonus episode. He was the first one to be able to list off all seven ingredients of Polyjuice Potion with the correct code word. Hashtag thick and bubbly, per Justin's request. (laughs) We have already established that the bonus episodes don't count towards the weekly trivia streaks as they only happen once a month and are only available to the public right now as we build our patron family. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, not only will it continue your access to the monthly bonus episodes, it will also get you a bunch of other perks, possibly even a guest host on one of those episodes. Your support helps us create more content, just keep rolling merchandise for purchase, and will allow us to continue expanding our podcast. Right now we're planning on producing a cooking show that shares recipes mentioned throughout the Potter series. We recently filmed our tester episode and hope to get it edited and out soon. In the meantime, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 1 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, The Worst Birthday, and its corresponding film scenes. Chapter 1, The Worst Birthday. 
This chapter starts off in the summer before Harry Potter's second year at Hogwarts. One morning at the breakfast table, Vernon Dursley is complaining about the racket that Harry's owl keeps making while he's trying to sleep. Harry tries to explain that she's bored and says he wants to let her out at night, but Vernon refuses. Dudley belches loudly and demands more bacon. Harry tells him that he forgot the magic word, and everyone panics over his use of the M word, even though he only meant please. Harry is being treated like he's a bomb that could go off at any time because he's a wizard fresh from his first year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. He misses everything about his school. The Dursleys locked all of his wizard belongings in the cupboard under the stairs and even padlocked Hedwig into her cage so he couldn't send messages to the wizarding world. They also don't even remember that it's Harry's 12th birthday. Vernon begins to talk about today being an important day, and for a moment, Harry thinks he's going to mention his birthday. Instead, Vernon goes on to talk about a big business deal for his career and the dinner party they are having that night. He runs through the schedule that starts at 8 o'clock. Everyone goes through their multiple locations, roles, and compliment ideas for the evening, and Harry has to continue repeating that he will be in his room making no noise and pretending he's not there. Vernon reminds Harry that the Masons don't know about him and it will stay that way. He then says he is going to go pick up the dinner jackets for himself and Dudley and tells Harry to stay out of Petunia's way while she is cleaning. Harry goes outside and slumps down on the garden bench and miserably wishes himself a happy birthday. He hasn't received any cards or presents and has to spend the evening pretending not to exist. He really misses his friends, Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, but worries that they don't miss him because he hasn't heard from them at all. Many times, he was tempted to magic open Hedwig's cage, but he didn't want to risk it since they aren't allowed to do magic outside of school. He never bothered to mention this to the Dursleys because thinking he could turn them all into dung beetles is probably the only thing that kept them from locking Harry in the cupboard under the stairs too. For a couple of weeks, Harry enjoyed muttering nonsense words under his breath to scare Dudley, but the silence from Ron and Hermione makes him feel so cut off that even that has lost its fun. They even forgot his birthday, and Harry is so desperate for a message from Hogwarts. While Harry is wallowing in his loneliness, he is suddenly startled by a pair of enormous green eyes staring out of the garden hedge. He jumps to his feet right as Dudley shows up to mock him about not having any birthday cards. He asks why Harry is staring at the hedge, and Harry tells him that he's trying to decide on the best spell to set it on fire. As Dudley begins to stutter that he can't do magic, Harry starts saying jiggery-pokery, hocus-pocus, squiggly-wiggly, and Dudley runs off to tell his mom. Harry has to duck as Petunia swings at him with a frying pan, and, as punishment, he has to clean the windows, wash the car, mow the lawn, trim the flower beds, prune and water the roses, and repaint the garden bench. At 7.30, Petunia calls him in. There's a huge pudding for dessert on top of the fridge and a pork loin sizzling in the oven, but Harry is given a lump of cheese and some bread for his supper. As soon as he finishes, Petunia takes his plate and sends him upstairs. Just as he reaches the landing, the doorbell rings and Vernon appears at the foot of the stairs to remind him to stay quiet. Harry tiptoes the rest of the way to his room, slips inside, and turns to collapse on the bed, but someone is already on it. The movie Chamber of Secrets starts out with Hedwig's theme song playing over the gold letters up in the clouds. 
The camera pans through and down over rows and rows and rows of houses, focusing in on one with a light in the window. Zooming in through the window, we see Harry sitting at a desk, looking through the photo album Hagrid gave him at the end of Sorcerer's Stone. We see moving magical pictures of his mother and father, and then he turns the page, showing us a picture of the Golden Trio. Hedwig is agitatedly rustling in her locked cage, but Harry tells her that he can't use magic outside of school to let her out, and is interrupted by Uncle Vernon shouting his name. He goes downstairs to see his uncle, who is upset that the bird is making such a racket. Harry tries to explain that she is bored and needs to be let out, but Vernon refuses because he doesn't want Harry to be able to send letters to his freaky friends. Harry mentions that he hasn't gotten any letters from anyone, and Dudley doubts that he even has friends. Uncle Vernon tells Harry that he should be grateful, since they feed him, clothe him, and gave him Dudley's second bedroom all out of the goodness of their hearts. Petunia is putting the finishing touches on a pudding and stops Dudley from getting into it, saying it is for when the Masons arrive. Vernon chimes in that they should arrive any minute and runs through their agenda for the arrival. Petunia says she will be waiting in the study to welcome them graciously into their home, and Dudley says he will be waiting to open the door. Then Vernon, Petunia, and Dudley all turn, scowling toward Harry, who says he will be in his bedroom making no noise and pretending he doesn't exist. Vernon confirms that with a sneer, and the scene transitions to Harry walking up the stairs back to his room. As he opens the door, we hear the sounds of jubilation and bedsprings, and Harry looks extremely confused. Ultimately, the book and the movie start out quite similar. It's mostly just a few changes and a fairly big cut of some details, though a lot of that was pretty much just things that were recapping information from the first book. Yeah, and the recap really isn't necessary to include. At least not for the podcast purposes, as we literally just rehashed the entire story and everything is fresh on our minds still. I agree. The book opens up on the morning of Harry's birthday and an argument about the racket that Hedwig keeps making while padlocked in her cage. Harry wants to be able to let her out at night, but Uncle Vernon will not allow it because he doesn't want Harry to be able to send messages to the Wizarding World. The movie changes it a bit, but gets the exact point across. After opening on the title in gold letters over the clouds and the epic Hedwig's theme song, which, I don't know about you, but, like, I still get chills every time. Oh, yeah. Every time. Right? But instead of opening on breakfast, it is evening, and the camera pans into Harry's bedroom. Because Harry has a room! Harry has a room! Yeah, the first movie never actually showed that happening, so yay for Harry! Yay! (laughs) A bedroom! Yay! No more cupboard! Dudley's second one, yes. (laughs) Because that's necessary. Mm -hmm. But anyways, he's in his bedroom looking at the photo album that Hagrid made him. We actually see Hedwig make a racket and hear the agitated Uncle Vernon off screen shouting Harry's name. Harry goes down to see him and then the argument happens. Yeah, it's a fairly minor change, but the saddest part about it to me is that it omits two parts I found rather amusing. One is the part after Harry asked to let Hedwig out of her cage at night, and Vernon asks, Do I look stupid to you? With a bit of fried egg dangling from his bushy mustache. (laughs) Why, yes, bag of assholes, you do look quite stupid. Indeed. (laughs) I just wish I could have seen that one come alive. Mm -hmm. The other part I miss is when Dudley asks Harry to pass the frying pan, and Harry responds without thinking, You forgot the magic word. (laughs) And the satchels of assholes all completely panic over his use of the M-word. Dudley even falls out of his chair. 
Oh, God. Yeah, those two, those both could have been hilarious to see. But instead, Vernon just cruelly says that he doesn't want Harry to be able to contact his freaky friends because he is a bag of assholes, as we've already said. Yeah. Uh, then Harry mentions that he hasn't heard from any of his friends at all. And, of course, Dudley has to be bag of assholes junior and asks Harry, who'd want to be friends with you as he shoulder checks him? Harry not hearing from his friends is accurate to the book, but that's not how we hear about it. Mm-mm. There's a moment that Dudley is a bag of assholes junior, but that happens a bit later in the day. Since the book starts in the morning, we go through the whole day. That also happens to be Harry's birthday. Hmm. For a really brief moment, Harry thinks that his uncle is actually about to acknowledge it when he starts talking about the day being an important one, but instead he just means his business dinner party that night with the Masons. And the movie doesn't even have it as Harry's birthday. Vernon just starts telling Harry he should be more grateful because of everything they have given him, including Dudley's second bedroom, all out of the goodness of their hearts. The goodness of their hearts, really. Really? <laughs> right? Do they even have hearts? I mean, they stop locking him under the stairs, and his clothes seem a little less ill-fitting than they did last movie, so maybe their hearts have grown to grinch size. You know, before all the Christmas spirit? <laughs> Maybe. Though anything would seem small when compared to the size of their assholes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nothing compares. I also feel like the movie kind of implies that they gave Harry the second bedroom when he got back from his first year at Hogwarts instead of because of how the letters were addressed. Yeah, because the letters were addressed directly to the cupboard under the stairs. It scared them into giving Harry Dudley's second bedroom. Because they thought they were being watched. This part of the movie makes it seem like they did it because they were scared of Harry when he returned from his first year at wizard school. And, you know, the goodness of their hearts, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) But yeah, since he lived in a cupboard the previous year and now has a bedroom, I'm glad they actually decided to address that change instead of just letting it slide like so many other book details. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it is during this declaration of the Satchels of Assholes goodness that we learn of the dinner party with the Masons. Peggy Dudley is trying to pick at the pudding that Handbag of Assholes is working on, and she shoes him away, looking like a velociraptor, I might add, <laughs> saying that it's, it's for when the Masons arrive. Which Vernon says will be any minute and runs through their plan for the arrival and the evening. In the book, they have this conversation over breakfast. It also goes into more detail. There are several steps to the schedule, from welcoming them, serving them drinks and dinner, and complimenting them. When Dudley comes up with the biggest bullshit compliment for Mr. Mason I've ever heard and says, We had to write about our hero at school, Mr. Mason, and I wrote about you. Oh, God. Please, who is buying that? Honestly, like, that's that's a little vomit-inducing right there. Not even a little. Like, I threw open my mouth just having to say that. Right? I mean, I, I kind of actually feel like that would make me fire somebody if their kid said that <laughs> to me and I was their boss. Like, yeah, I can't. This kid's full of shit. Right. He They're... gets that from his dad. Nope, not doing business with you. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of each step to their evening schedule, they turn to Harry, who must declare that he will be in his bedroom making no noise and pretending he's not there. And the movie, he says, I'll be in my bedroom making no noise and pretending I don't exist. I mean, six in one, half dozen the other. 
but for the life of me, I can't figure out why they need to change a few words like that. Apparently when the Dursleys are around, they have to change one minuscule thing. Like in Sorcerer's Stone, Dudley received 36 presents in the movie, but 37 in the book. Yeah, we nitpicked on that one for a bit. We did. <laughs> this, this could be like that? Pretending I don't exist and pretending I'm not there aren't all that different from one another. I mean, I suppose pretending I'm not there sounds more like something Harry would say because he's being a bit sassy to the Dursleys and he really wishes he wasn't there. Yeah, like, that's true. You know what I mean? Whereas um, pretending I don't exist sounds more to me like something the Dursleys made him repeat because they ultimately wish he didn't exist. Purely out of the goodness of their assholes. <laughs> that yeah. checks out. Yep. That yep, checks out. Yep. <laughs> Although in the book, it did say when Harry goes out to the garden and he's kind of sitting there moping a little bit. He's talking about how it's his birthday and he hasn't heard from anybody and he has to spend the entire evening pretending like he doesn't exist. So it does say that in the book. It's not like it was just a complete and total change. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right there. It's just, it's different what he actually says to Vernon. Right. Yeah. And I think like the way he said it in the movie, it did sound more like he was sassily regurgitating Vernon's words back to him sassily regurgitating is that what i got from that <laughs> that is that is is that our episode title sassily regurgitating <laughs> all right i mean you're not wrong <laughs> i'm not it was very it was a very descriptive way to say that i know exactly what you meant well done thanks <laughs> but anyway let's just keep rolling mm -hmm. yeah in this scene the way Petunia goes from a smile to a scowl when Vernon turns to Harry is just, like, it's just classic handbag of assholes. And then the movie goes right from this conversation to Harry being sent upstairs to pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah, and that cuts out everything that happened during the day in the book. Vernon goes to town to pick up his and Dudley's dinner jackets and tells Harry to stay out of the way of Petunia cleaning. So Harry goes outside to wallow in his loneliness. He even sings a couple of bars of happy birthday to himself as he ruminates on just how much he misses Hogwarts and his friends, who don't seem to miss him at all, as he hasn't heard from them. Poor, poor Harry. He's ronery. So ronery. <laughs> and kind of emo, too. He's also absentmindedly looking at the hedge when he notices two enormous green eyes staring back at him. Which was our trivia question from last week. Yep. <laughs> and this is when Dudley shows up to activate his bag of asshole junior powers and starts mocking him for not having friends and being ignored on his birthday. I think movie Dudley is a way bigger dick than book Dudley, actually. I agree. But book Harry is also way sassier than movie Harry. True. Dudley wants to know why Harry is staring at the hedge, so he decides to have a little fun with him and answers that he's trying to decide the best spell to set it on fire. And he freaks Dudley out by fiercely uttering some nonsense words. Chickory pokery, hocus pocus, squiggly wiggly, cause, yeah, because that sounds like a real spell. <laughs> right? 
You'd think after a year at Hogwarts, he could come up with something that sounds a little bit more like an actual spell instead of total nonsense. Right. Well, I mean, jiggery pokery, that is an actual, that's an actual British phrase. It's, aside being fun to say, it actually means deceitful or dishonest behavior. So that's kind of fitting, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what he was doing. And obviously, Hocus Pocus is... Yeah. Everybody knows that one, but... Squiggly Wiggly's not a thing, though. No, I don't think so. What would you say to make up magic words? That's say, um, fuckity buckity. Satchily assily? (laughs) Ooh, dippity shippity. Ooh, bippity boppity boo. Uh, I think that one's already been done. Damn. I've got nothing. (laughs) Not that easy, is it? No, it's not. Maybe we should ask our keepers. Ooh, that's a thought. Yeah, we'll make that the Potter pondering. Good call. Because this was pretty ridiculous, and I don't see how anybody fell for it. Ridiculous or ridiculous? Ridiculous. We haven't learned that yet. Spoilers. <laughs> but anyways, ridiculous as it is, Dudley falls for it, though. Oh, yeah. It's nobody, important I mean, part. Nobody said he was that smart, but yeah. he panics and runs to tell his mom. And then Petunia literally tries to hit Harry with a frying pan. What a handbag of assholes. Like, what if Harry hadn't been able to dodge it and she actually hit him with a frying... Like, it's not it's not a cartoon. No, that's not, like... That's not gonna be okay. He's not gonna have a lump pop up on his head and little stars and birds right? flying around it and be... Push it back in with a hammer or something. Like, no, Seriously, like, like that's man... That's that's murder. Like, that's- she'd do some real damage if she actually hit him with that frying pan. I, like... That's ridiculous. And especially since... She even knew he hadn't actually done magic. Mm-hmm. So she tries to hit him with a frying pan and then still gives him a punishment, making him do all sorts of chores, like, for the rest of the day. This yeah. is, like, the entire... This is hours and hours and hours of manual labor. I just tried to kill you now. Clean my whole house. Like Not even the house. The yard. Do yeah. all of the yard... <laughs> the yard work. Right. At the end of the at the end of the evening, right before the Masons get there, Harry is spreading mulch on the flower beds, mm-hmm. and she finally calls him inside and then serves him two slices of bread and a lump of cheese. God, when everyone else a... is going to get pork roast, she's such a dick. Plus, the pudding that you mentioned, she was putting the finishing touches on in the movie, mm-hmm. was all ready to go up on top of the fridge, and he has to sit there and smell the pork roast and see this beautiful pudding and eat a lump of cheese and some bread. Prison food. I mean, at least she fed him, I guess. Purely out of the goodness of her heart, I'm sure. Oh, purely. (laughs) But you do actually have a point, considering that they have sent him to bed without supper before. Mm -hmm. So at least he got his raw grilled cheese before being sent to bed. There you go. Deconstructed grilled cheese. (laughs) (laughs) He heads upstairs to his room, and just as he reaches the landing, the doorbell rings. Vernon appears at the bottom of the stairs to also nicely threaten or remind him to be Mm -hmm. silent. Harry tiptoes to his room, slips in, and turns to collapse on his bed. The trouble was, there was already someone sitting on it. Yeah, none of this happened except for the last bit, but the movie modified that too. When Harry heads up to his room to make no noise and pretend he doesn't exist, he opens the door and gets a very confused look on his face. We can hear the sounds of glee and bed springs. The scene comparison makes the most sense to end here, so instead of someone sitting on the bed, we can conclude that someone is jumping on the bed. Although the sounds of glee and bed springs could imply something other than jumping. (laughs) 
But uh, Harry didn't look that confused. Ew. You're gross. I'm just saying, who knows what was going on on Harry's bed? Ooh. We'll talk more about that next week. Oh, man. As long as it doesn't involve the Dursleys, I guess. <laughs> That conjures up a really hideous picture in my head. Side note, though, did you notice the hideous picture of Dudley hanging in the hallway as Harry goes to his room? I never had until we were working on these summaries. It's pretty bad. It's so bad. Oh you my guys God. have to go and check check the movie. Just watch as Harry's walking up to his room and pay attention to the wall behind him. It's It's so bad. I almost feel like it's like a picture that they made Harry draw when he was young. Or Dudley drew it of himself. Yeah. It's It's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Because he'd look more like a pig if Harry drew it. Well, I'm saying like if they forced him to do it. Like if they were like, draw a picture of Dudley and make it look good. You little shit. I still like to believe that he'd look like a pig. (laughs) True, yes. Piggy Dudley. (laughs) It's bad though. Go check it out. Yeah. But... This brings us to the end of this section. We are going to talk about the actors again, even though many of them are returning from the previous film. Mm -hmm. We do want to discuss any changes, new characters, as well as character development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first actor that we see in this movie is, of course, Daniel Radcliffe. Titular character. (laughs) You said tit. Jeweler. (laughs) You're dirty. You're You're the one that's taking tit out of titular. You're the one who put tit in titular. That's the word. I didn't make it up. But you're the one saying it. Because it's a funny word. It has tit in it. (laughs) (laughs) So Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe. Is Daniel Radcliffe. And Daniel Radcliffe is, in fact, Harry Potter. Aside from the awkward 12-year-old haircut. um, (laughs) (laughs) Which has no bearings on his acting skills. Which has nothing to do with him at all and was still adorable because he's still tw- he's still he's like it was cute. the little cute little 12 year old boy you know i still think he's adorable i still think he's perfect for the role you know again we can we can bang on about how we wish he had green eyes but it's so again minuscule. doesn't have any bearings if that's, on his exactly acting if, ability. That's, if that's the worst thing i have to say about him right you know i mean he's still a little rough around the edges he's, he's still 12 yeah but this is what? This is his, what, third movie? You know? It's his second Harry Potter movie. Right. But it's his third... Movie ever. Movie ever. And he's 12. And he's 12. And I, so I think he, he's still doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, I think, I think in this one, especially this scene, he did a great job balancing that, like, sassy Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, the sassy, defiant Harry with the kind of, like, beaten down Harry. Yeah. That he experiences when he's... I mean, he's... Stuck home, hasn't heard from any of his friends. Yeah. Being treated like garbage. Gets a little emo. Yeah. So I, I think much. he balanced that really well. And he did so good in the last movie. Yeah, if yeah. they would have changed it, I, I think there would have been riots in the street. Oh my gosh. I, I would, I hate inconsistencies like that for one yeah. thing. But no, they, they needed him. Yeah. To keep it consistent. For sure. And he did great. He did. And I can't wait to like continue to see him grow mm-hmm. and analyze this as we go. It is so fun. But then the other three we see in this scene, it's just pretty much all three of them at once. It's mm-hmm. Richard Griffiths as Uncle Vernon. Mm-hmm. Bag of assholes. Mm-hmm. Fiona Shaw as Aunt Petunia. Hen bag of assholes. And Harry Melling as Dudley Dursley. Backpack of assholes. 
or bag of assholes junior but i kind of like backpack of assholes i don't know how we didn't come up with that sooner right knapsack of assholes (laughs) (laughs) knapsack but as usual these three pull off that family of assholes the satchels of assholes quite nicely the luggage luggage of assholes (laughs) they really do i fiona shaw her facial expressions. Oh my god, they are spot on. Hey, bag ki- of assholes. Oh my god, they kill me. I just love it. When she when uh she goes from like being super like Oh, I will greet the Masons in the lounge and then they turn to Harry and she's just Oh, that switch. Just like somebody flipped a switch. Yeah, oh my god, I just love it. And then after Harry says that he hasn't heard from any of his friends and Dudley's just like, who'd want to be friends with you? And just right. gives him that big shoulder check as he's walking by. Like, it was right. just so nasty. And what? It was just... just it, again, it just makes you hate them. And you're supposed and to. But I was going to say, that's the sign that they're doing their job. They were doing their job. They did really, really well. And I loved them. I, I try... You know, we've talked about this before. We try to think about who would be our, like, ideal cast and stuff. And I still have issues coming up with Dursleys. Right. I still, I'm like, I don't know who else I would want playing them. I can't see anybody else. Yeah. I mean, they all did great. Richard Griffiths, like, you can't top his Vernon Dursley voice and... I wish they would have given him more book lines, though. Yeah. They did did pretty good, this scene. They did. They really did. But, like, the... Do I look stupid to you with the oh, egg hanging? I would have loved to have seen Richard Griffiths deliver yes, that line. You're absolutely right. We mentioned that earlier, and he would have done beautifully with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, so that was. Those were our actors from this scene. That was. And that brings us to our Potter pondering. As previously mentioned, this week our Potter pondering is what ridiculous or ridiculous spell would you make up to mess with Dudley? Head to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast to find the post and let us know what you come up with. And that will bring us to this week's Sorting Hat story, which features Kenny Rankin. His house is Hufflepuff slash Thunderbird. He listed them both there. His wand is 10 and 3 quarter inches Elmwood with a unicorn hair core. And his Patronus is a Minx cat. More cat. Just like like yours. Yay. He writes, when I was in the third grade, which was 99 to 2000. Oh, Lord. Felt a little bit old there. We're going to move on. I think my hip just broke just listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, when he was in the third grade, he writes, I had won a free book and I had gravitated to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone when my teacher snatched the book out of my hand and told me that the book is too hard for me. Boo. Rude. When my mom learned this story, she made sure that the Easter Bunny brought me a copy. Aw. Yay, Mom. When we found out that it was indeed too difficult for me, it became our bedtime story till I could read it for myself. The following school year, she set up a birthday party for me and my classmates, That was Harry Potter-themed, complete with chocolate frogs, butterbeer, cream soda, and Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, and so on. Once, Mom signed me up for a release party for the Order of the Phoenix at the library, where they allowed us to have the book five hours before everyone else I knew. I've only waited for a book at midnight for the Deathly Hallows. Snape is my favorite character because of his pure love and outstanding courage. Aww. 
Thanks so much for sharing with us, Kenny. How lucky that he got to read Order the Phoenix five hours before other people. That's actually the same book that I got early because I worked at a bookstore and delivered that one. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. That's exciting. (laughs) Well, this week's trivia question is, who wrote the ministry letter warning Harry of expulsion if he performed any more spells outside of school? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag hovercharm will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. And don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And just a reminder, if you follow us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com, you'll get the episodes as early as possible, giving you that leg up that you need to join this amazing competition that we have going on for trivia. Mm-hmm. Give Quincy and Dave some competition, would you guys? And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 2, Dobby's Warning, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.